This is The Bull, the Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish, how they're bearish, and the chairs they cherish. I'm Eric Hopperstead, better known as Hopper. I'm a serial entrepreneur, fitness guru, husband, father, and Shark Tank survivor. I'll be on the podcast today to talk to you guys about how a crazy little business idea turned into a winning sales pitch on ABC's hit TV show, Shark Tank, and how we landed a deal with Mr. Wonderful himself, Kevin O'Leary. Let's go. Welcome back to the bull, the bear, and my brother's chair. Bilu, what's good today? Oh, man. You know, it's for, for those of you that don't live in Minnesota, springtime isn't exactly warm, but when it goes from negative 20 degrees in February or whatever temperature it gets, at that point you stop caring, to like 38, 45, it might as well be 100 outside. That's right. It's gorgeous. Yeah, the uh, the sun is shining, figuratively and literally, I believe. <laughs> yeah, some big, big news out uh, over the last couple of weeks here is the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 is passed and through. So that was the $1.9 trillion package that was uh, aimed at uh, helping people recover from the adverse impacts of COVID. And I think that is, what, round three of stimulus plans? I don't, I've lost track. I think it's round three. I believe and there's some other things in that bill too. Lots of other well, things. Well, there are, and there's been a lot of other things in all of the other bills. Um, yep. uh, this one, though, has stimulus checks, which are 1400 bucks for a single person. Um, that phases out, let's talk about the single person, at $75,000, and then it starts to phase out from there. Do you know where the where the top end it phases out starts getting smaller checks mm. seventy five thousand? Do you know where it turns to zero? I want to go a hundred. From what I can read, the way I understand this, it's eighty thousand. So five thousand dollars. Seems like a short short window where if you make seventy four thousand five hundred, you need the stimulus. But you make eighty thousand, you're out. Huh. You should be good. <laughs> but, I do believe that's in there. There's not uh, unemployment benefits are still 300 bucks on top of regular uh, unemployment coverage. They put some more in the uh, PPP or Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, I th- there's also seems to be a larger uh, allocation towards restaurants and venues and some things like that, which have clearly been you know hit by that. So. A lot of good things that uh, that came out of it. Hopefully, it's the last uh, stimulus thing that needs to be passed here because we got to start figuring out how to pay that back. I was going to say we're uh, we got a lot of money out there floating around. So we're, no, it's certainly uh, into a lot. Yeah, so we've got that going on. I, I did read last week. Uh, these are all facts because I've read them on the internet. No, I got them from a good yeah, source. Yeah, sure. So as of uh, kind of mid March here, when I looked at these numbers, nineteen point three percent of the united states population has received at least one shot of the vaccine two the united states is administering roughly two million shots per day seems like a lot right Mm -hmm. uh minnesota 11 percent of the population is fully vaccinated 
and uh, that's kind of where we sit. So you can and the, with the new one coming out, the third one, the third vaccine, it's a one uh, a one shotter. So that will certainly, I would think, speed up the process. I would think so. I would think so. Minnesota's always felt like they've been a little behind on that, so it doesn't surprise me that they're 11 in the country. Yeah, and in Minnesota, we're, uh, I mean, we're uh, not the most aggressive state in the world in terms of opening things back up, but uh, this past week or so, uh, things are moving in the right direction. So bars and restaurants yeah. and things outdoor, looks like the Twins are going to have, I think, about 10,000 fans, uh, if in fact they can uh, can get her done. <laughs> got to sell some tickets, huh? No, I think that's going to be busy. The, okay, so I, I'll start, Bilu, with a, with a bullish now that we're on the Minnesota topic. Yeah. So okay. you may have remember about a year ago, for those faithful listeners, uh, I was bearish on the Minnesota Wild. Okay, yeah. just they were kind of in that same, you know, six, seven, eight playoff spot, same thing they've done forever, and they've got, you know, first round, second round, and typically they're out. Well, this year uh, I am announcing as we get, I don't know how many games they've played, 20-some? 26, 28, that I am bullish yep. on the Minnesota Wild. Bullish, a change, a change in opinion the, this year. What, yep, what they've, causes you well, to go they've got a, they've, yeah, they've got a new player that they drafted four or five years ago that just came over, and uh, uh, his last name is Kaprizov, and mm-hmm. he's like lighting the world on fire in, the, in terms of the NHL. So I'm uh, loving watching the Wild right now. Uh, I think they're in second place, maybe third in the Western Conference, so or, or I, I'm not sure if they realigned it this year. Whatever they're calling their conference this year, they're in second or third, so I'm bullish on the Wild. I'm ready okay. for a Stanley Cup run. I'm wondering if since you went bearish on them last year, if that's what hurt our Minnesota Wild sponsoring our podcast. It's possible. Now that it's, I think uh, about it. So maybe yeah. they'll step up and send us a pair of glass tickets or something like that. Yeah, I mean... Uh, if he wants to be on the show with us, I'm uh, I'm willing to have him. Room. I think it'd be great. Good. I am. Uh, I'm bullish also this week. What I'm bullish on is warm weather and lakes. Okay. I don't. Uh, I didn't grow up in desert climate. We grew up in the land of ten thousand lakes, and I was recently in desert climate, which is ex- exactly where you want to be in March and in February, but. If you've had, there's something about lakes and warm weather that make me feel at home. I also think that it's a, it's a weird thing, you know, when you travel, no matter where your home is, you go to somewhere that is a vacation destination or wherever. And Nate, I don't know if you do this, but while you're ever on vacation, do you look at houses around there and in your mind try and justify why you should have a place there or spend more time there or move there? Oh, for sure. Every place I go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You too. And I always come to the same conclusion of wherever I'm at is a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. And no matter how cold it gets or hot it gets where you live, rainy it is, hurricanes, tornadoes, your home is definitely where your home is. And that is a very hard thing for me to change. So I'm bullish on my home of Minnesota, warm weather and lakes, which season is almost here. That's a pretty easy one to be bullish on, I got to tell you. (laughs) Well, others, others, when we try and have meetings here in Minnesota in February, some from Florida will say, I'm not coming there in February. Right. And I thought when I started in this job that that was a joke, but they wouldn't laugh at the end of that sentence. Like, they really were not coming here in February. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so, uh, I think that's realistic. I uh, yeah, love spending time near lakes and people that aren't 
lake people. I, they you know, might want oceans, but to me, I love an ocean, but I'm not sure what to do with an ocean. And when I say that, I love sitting by it. I love swimming in it. I love walking in it. But if you gave me a boat and you were like, hey, head out into the ocean, uh, I, I'm not sure what I would do. It's just because I didn't, I didn't grow up around an ocean. My kids and wife were down by the ocean a couple months ago. <clears throat> funny story. Not so funny story, but they're just fine. But there were purple flags that were out on the beach. My wife's like, I didn't think anything of it. Kids are ramming around in the surf. They're not very big, so they're just in the shallow water. Come out with red splotches all over them, and she didn't know what that was. And yeah. so she asked one of the lifeguards down there, he said, oh, those are uh, jellyfish. Those are actually it's Portuguese man of war. That's what the purple flags mean and she's huh. like okay good to know so they ended up with jellyfish wounds all over them which which heal just fine apparently you just get vinegar and pour them on them and they feel better but it was uh same same thing of like i don't know what purple flags mean nor do i know what jellyfish are <laughs> that's uh well it's it's good that it wasn't like shark season or something because that would have been a that would have been a problem <laughs> that's hard to recover yes so, we got a good show today. Good guest coming on the show. We got Eric Hopperstead of PRX Performance, and they are actually based out of Fargo, North Dakota. Nate, I believe you're familiar with Fargo, North Dakota. Very much so. But that was not how we found these guys. They actually know a person that I know, and as you listen to the story, headline is, is these guys in PRX Performance was uh, on Shark Tank. Most people listening probably watch Shark Tank. And they struck a deal with Kevin O'Leary or Mr. Wonderful uh, back in about 2016. And what they build is, is, Nate, do you have any workout equipment in your house? I do. I've got a, a decent amount, yes. Okay. And does that take up quite a bit of space in your home? Uh, it does. It absolutely does. Okay. In fact, I got rid so of some have... of it recently. <laughs> you were just using it? Was, was it worn out? It was worn out. Use? Totally worn out. <laughs> So they've got a whole weightlifting squat rack system that folds up into your wall. And I would say, don't quote me on this, but once it's all tucked up, it's within 18 inches of your wall. So you don't need to dedicate your garage to it or your your full basement or wherever to it. It's a collapsible, basically, workout system. So one, they obviously got some uh, some great benefit from working with Kevin O'Leary and being on Shark Tank. Then as you can imagine, 2020 was a fairly good year for in-home workout equipment. So their story is very good. They're expanding their operations now. They've grown really, really quickly, which obviously anybody listening who has had that speed of growth, it, you know, it's, it's, a challenge, it's a fun time, but it's a challenging thing to work through. So really excited for, uh, for you guys to hear their story and uh, hear a little bit more about you know, their, their wins and challenges along the way. Hey, Bilu, um, I'm excited to have him on. But before we do that, I got to tell you, when we were talking here, talking about uh, lakes and things happening. Uh, I bought a grill last weekend. Um, are you what aware of that? So I no. bought a, uh, you know, I, I'm a sucker. I've told you before for like Instagram and Facebook. And so I'm searching grills cause I needed one and I'm not like the big, you know, 27 hour smoker guy, but I did buy an yeah. electric, uh, pellet wood grill. I'm going to use it more as a grill Eventually, I'll probably be one of those guys you see like, oh, smoking for 12 hours or whatever. But so anyways, but here's my story. I get it. Of course, it shows up in a massive box, right? No, it's never. And I open it and the pieces fall out everywhere. 
And if you oh. know me, I'm not the most handy guy in town. And uh, so I, I pull up their video and this company's known, it's actually called Rectech. They're known for like, you know, good grills and really good service. And they actually have the owner's cell phone number in there, which I did not use, that, but I should have. Uh, you should have called them. So I'm, first off, I can't find all the pieces. And then I realized that some of them are buried below like the, the bottom of the box and like there's a thing across. So I have to take it out. So I find all the pieces. There's screws and nails and things everywhere. Things. So I pull up their video, which is a very well done video of how to put this thing together. But it's like 13 minutes, right? And it's one of those where it's like, okay, now fasten the three screws in. And it goes real high speed and all of a sudden. So 13 minutes took me, oh, probably two and a half, three hours. Oh, you say two and a half, three weeks. No, well, I, I got it done over two days in about two and a half, three hours. But anyway... I just want to let you know I got her done. I officially have a smoker, a electric grill smoker. So over the next few weeks, I will let you know how things go. Did did you test run it yet? No, I was going to, but then you were so spent from the installation. Yeah, but then you then you've got to pour like we were going to leave, and I, I wasn't ready, and so I I was going to pour the pellets in the the uh, the thing. Hopper. And the hopper, and then the thing pushes them in there and burns them. And I, I just realized like I don't want to do this because if something goes wrong, and I'm the kind of person like if it doesn't go right, then I got to figure it out. And I just yeah. I wasn't prepared, so I need like a full day in case things don't go right. Because then I'm going to call the owner's have, cell and be like, this thing's not working. Does it have the ability to work it from your iPhone or your Android? Uh, it does. I don't know that I'm ever going to get there, but it does. Okay. That's, it's not, Nate, life is not about what you're going to do. It's what you could do. If you heard That's right. Remember that. So anyway, as of now, I'm bullish on the Rectech grills. More to come. <laughs> that turns the bearish next week. That's right. All right. Well, you go get out of here. I'm bringing Eric on the show. All right. We'll do. All right. Thanks, Nate. All right. We have Eric Hopperstad, president of PRX Performance on the show with us. Eric, how is Fargo, North Dakota treating you today? Fargo, North Dakota is beautiful. We've actually got some unseasonably warm weather right now, so we are not going to complain one bit. They're talking 60 degrees on Sunday. We'll take it. <laughs> you know, one of our offices is down in Kansas, and it was 72 there couple days ago and i said it's it's warm here too it's 38 and it just goes to show that heat is definitely a relative term isn't it you got that it's all relative we just got back from florida so we had to adjust a little bit but we are not going to complain <laughs> go well, we certainly appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule i know that uh you know as we talk about prx performance i can only imagine what kind of year you had last year especially just knowing how fast your company was growing in the first place. But obviously, as we'll talk about the situation of, you know, which impacted some businesses from pandemic and shutdown in not a good manner, I imagine it was a pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good boost for your business and your sales. But to get us started, tell us what PRX performance is and where did you get the inspiration from? Walk us through that idea to viable business. So the PRX performance, um, really we are innovators in the fitness equipment space. So we primarily focus on creating 
um, essentially inventing new products that help you save space but still allow you that commercial gym experience, whether it's in your gym or your home or your small commercial space. And, you know, it, it took us a while to figure out who we were and what we were going to do and why it was going to matter. And uh, believe it or not, that, that, uh, that very first idea came to us in probably mid-2013, me and Brian, my, my uh, business partner, sitting around a campfire having a couple beers, you know, how all <laughs> crazy ideas start. Yeah. And then from there, how does does one of you have a? <clears throat> so let me let me try and, and you guys could probably say it in better terms. But you know, from from me as a guy who goes to the gym, <clears throat> obviously it's hard to go. It's uh, you get up early or come home late, and the time and the travel and the people or the shutdown or however. A lot of people have looked at and increased their purchase of exercise workout equipment for the home. Now. You guys, and you can correct me if I misspeak here, but you specialize, I would say, more in uh, you, you build not weight training, but you could basically have a full squat rack, bench, a kind of a, a cross-utility workout machine that, generally speaking, people are concerned is going to take up too much space. But if you buy in that industry, sometimes the smaller the pieces you buy, the cheaper it is. You guys found a way to build a full service fitness center, basically squat rack, bench rack, all kinds of things you can do that essentially fold up and get within what a foot of the wall. I mean, it's it's compact. Yeah. How do you describe that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you kind of nailed it, right? So if you if you picture a traditional squat rack or a power cage that you would see in in any gym or high school fitness facility, you know, you name it, they take up a tremendous amount of space. And, you know, back in 2013, there, there were a, a few companies promoting, you know, us consumers of gym equipment to literally fill up our entire garages full of this big bulky equipment. Right. And, you know, that, that doesn't sit well with, with people in the Midwest, right? Winters, we need our garages for what they're intended for to be sure. used for. You know, so we just basically looked at each other and said, you know, look, we we see the value here. Fitness is important, but we need to figure out how to give people that experience. But when they're not using the equipment, it essentially disappears. And that, that's exactly what we set out to do. Um, you know, I think we, we launched our very first space-saving squat racks in early 2014. And at that time, nobody knew who PRX Performance was. Sure. Um, but we were we were the the very first company to ever release a foldable squat rack. And you know, because nobody knew who we were, we had a we had a lot of backlash at times from people that thought we were knocking off other companies. Because naturally, when we did what we did, there were some other people that came out with other foldable racks. And mm -hmm. you know, although that was frustrating as a new company, it was also um, validating, you know, the market that we thought was there. Right. <clears throat> Imitation is the, is the best form of flattery. <laughs> you you yeah. got it. Yeah. It's not an easy, uh, pill to swallow at that time. Right. Because we're just trying to get going, but yeah, it really, it really is. 
You know, it's not, it's never an easy pill to swallow when you have competition. But the other thing that people fail to realize is when you're trying to get something new started, a new, you know, a new product, a new genre, a new whatever, to have a couple others help and make noise with you about this space is generally a better thing than you think it is, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. It really is. You know, as long as you're far enough along that they don't just wipe you off the map, it definitely <laughs> is. A, true. A Very yeah. true. And now, <clears throat> how, how do you get from an idea around a campfire to a viable product that actually works and operates? Do, do, do one of you guys design it? Do you work with an engineer firm? Like, how does, everybody's got some idea. How do you get something like that going? You know, I think that that journey is probably unique for everybody and, and every individual idea. But for Brian and I, you know, we're both serial entrepreneurs, so we have these crazy ideas all the time. And actually, the very first idea we had that summer night sitting around the campfire was for a barbell collar because we had worked out together for a number of years, and, you know, we would see these barbell collars fail in competitions or just in general. And, mm-hmm. you know, we set up to build a company on this barbell collar, but that proved to be pretty tricky. You know, Brian has a manufacturing background. You know, I have sales and operations background. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it took us almost five years, actually, to get that product to market. And, it you know, it, it's a good product for us. But between when that idea came and when that came to market, that's when we really figured out what we were going to be. So I think, sure. you know, you have to be able to figure out how to navigate those things. But you also have to be prepared to to be nimble and be able to pivot and, you know, kind of see where the bigger opportunities are when they land right in front of your face. Right. And I know, you know, now, as you sit, I was reading the other day that you guys have a new facility that you're working on, right? And how many thousand square feet is that thing? Uh, Well, for the first time in uh, several years, the end of this year, we're going to actually get our entire team under one roof, which is going to be amazing. Um, I think we've moved seven times in eight years or something, but uh, we have a <laughs> we have a new uh, about a two hundred thousand square foot facility going up right now in North Fargo um, that will have our office space. It will have our distribution warehouse, and then we'll also have a, a warehouse with some light manufacturing and powder coating, just to cool. help supplement our. And you have room. You're building room for how many employees? Did that article read? I can't, I can't remember. It was a lot. Uh, right now we are, we're, we're just shy of a hundred full-time employees now. And you know, if we, uh, if we hit the rear view mirror and look back to last year, this time, we probably had uh, upper twenties, maybe 30. <laughs> sure. So, you know, that just kind of tells you where we came from and where we're headed. Sure. Now, before we get to where you are, and, uh, you know, obviously you guys were doing something right to end up on Shark Tank, strike a deal with Mr. Wonderful. Tell me about those, that first six months, you, you get these ideas, you're building this thing. One, did people tell you that this wasn't going to work? You're crazy. It's not, no one's ever going to buy it, whatever it may be. And then you launch it. And I, most businesses, when they launch something, sales don't just blow out of the you blow out of the gates right what was that initial like pre six months launching and post six months how'd that go for you guys 
Well, for us, you know, initially what we would do is we would travel around to regional uh, fitness competitions. We would set up a booth and we would show off our, our new shiny foldable racks. Sure. And we knew instantly that we had something special just by people's reactions when they saw the thing function, how it was built, what it would do, how little space it took up when it was actually folded away. And, you know, the, the buying cycle is a little bit longer, right? Cause you know, you're talking 550 to 1200 bucks for a rack. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't happen overnight. So from there, we kind of set out on a quest to figure out how we can get this in front of the masses sooner. We really mm-hmm. needed how we needed to get it out fast. And, you know, the, the shark tank thing was kind of an accident. You know, we were, we were headed to Miami for a trade show, you know, like we had been doing. And uh, I was a longtime watcher of the TV show, and I was sure. watching one night. Uh, just happened to hit their website and saw there was an open casting in Miami a day or two before we were set to land. <laughs> so I, I called I, I called Brian and I said, you know, this is kind of a crazy idea, but what do you think? And he said, hold on, I'll call you right back. And he actually called and rescheduled our flight and called me back and he <laughs> said, you're never going to believe it. You're never going to believe it, he said. Uh, I got the agent on the phone. I told him what we needed to do. And uh, he asked why and I told him and he's like, man, I love that show. I'll, I'll go ahead and change your ticket for no charge. <laughs> that's, that's kind of- <laughs> kind of one of them moments, I guess, right? Where <laughs> right. we knew we were we knew we were headed down the right path. Sure, just what, what the hell? Let's give it a spin, huh? <clears throat> and yeah, how and- how was that experience on Shark Tank? Like both, you know, the the show itself. Were you nervous for the pitch? Or the you know, is it? I would imagine that that's just a whole experience. And then you know, walk us through that obviously Mr. Wonderful makes a deal with you. And then what does that element bring to your business, both in vis- visibility and I would assume his connections and his skill set. Yeah. So, I mean, they call it shark tank for a reason, right? I mean, it's and nervous might be an understatement. I like mean, that. you're on the, by far the largest stage that we had ever been on in our entire lives, right? right. You're standing in front of eight to 10 million people. Right. Um, you know, we, we walk through the doors and we stand on our marks and, you know, the sharks have never seen us before. We've never seen them. All they know about us is our first names. And, uh, evidently we were told to begin and didn't hear it. So there was a long, awkward pause and pretty soon there was a shout over the loudspeaker again, you know, begin. So we, <laughs> we got, <laughs> we got into it and, uh, you know, wrapped up our pitch and, you know, it, it, they do edit it out, right? So sure. they they are they are mic'd up separately, the sharks. But when you're filming, you have to listen to them all at the same time. So it really is a feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. You know, they all want to know, want to know, and and you want to get the information to them as quickly as possible. So it it was super intimidating. Um, we were very prepared. Um, I think we we ended up doing a pretty good job and and landed that deal with Mr. Wonderful. Sure. And he's one of my one of my favorite. I, I would say characters. Obviously, he's a real real life person, but you know, on the show, he's a, certainly one of the one of the most uh, uh, outgoing characters. <clears throat> what did that do for 
exposure for your business of just being on the show? And then how does a person like that, I can only imagine that they they help immensely with helping you scale production, do all those things. How did that impact the business? You know, obviously the exposure was huge for us. We went there because we did want a deal and, and we were grateful that we did get a deal. We wouldn't change anything. Um, Kevin, you know, although he can play the villain on, on TV, when you sit down with him, he is a real guy and somebody yeah. that has vision like ever met before. Sure. Um, but that, that exposure for us really was priceless because, you know, I, we've been asked this question several times and it's really hard to answer it. And, and the best way that I can answer it is that, you know, based on just our gut feel and estimate is that that exposure alone probably helped catapult our business by up to five years. Really? So, yeah, I mean, and you know, could we have hung on for five more years without that exposure? That's debatable. I mean, sure. without Shark Tank, would we still be having this conversation? Yeah. You no, know, we don't right. know. Yeah. So it's truly a priceless once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. And I bet just learning from someone like that or Mark Cuban or whoever is, you know, priceless on its own, whether they were involved in your business or not. So that, that was what year when all that started? So we, we actually got the call and had to fly out to LA to film. I believe it was father's day weekend of 2015. Yeah. And then uh, our episode, our first episode aired in gosh, dang it. It was it February of 2016. Mm-hmm. So we okay. we had to keep a secret for a for a handful of months. That I'm was sure. In, in, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and then you had a long stretch. You had sales were going good, business was good. Then you're in the at home, you know, fitness industry, and the pandemic hits. Walk me through that. What what you guys were thinking going through your minds when all the stuff started to shut down because. I mean, one, you probably, did you immediately think, okay, this is good for business? Did you think this might be good for business, but it could be bad? Did you think how the, how the hell are we going to produce all these things with things shutting down? Like walk me through the early stages of the, you know, that kind of March 13th is shut down of 2020. Yeah. I think just like, you know, everybody else during that time, we didn't know what the heck was going to happen. So we, we had to talk all scenarios, you know, mm-hmm. what if, what if this thing turns off? What if this thing blows up? So, you know, we were as prepared as we could be not knowing what was coming. And we learned very quickly that it was going to blow up. So mm-hmm. we did thing we did something at that time that I think was critical to us being able to live through that. And that was that we actually controlled our sales. We actually mm-hmm. had to limit our sales for a while. We had to shut our website off. We had to turn our website on for 30 seconds a day for a long time. Really? Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing to do, but I think it's also discipline and really helped us then put the pieces in place to scale you know, what would turn out being five, six times the growth of what we were typically used to. And we were used to doubling every year. So, you know, it was challenging. 
Um, but I think that that key piece was what helped us kind of get through, you know. And why why did you make that decision? So many other companies right now are taking, they were taking sales, figuring it out later, delivering the good four, five, six months later. Why did you not go that route as opposed to the route you took? Well, so, you know, even, even with the, the controlling mechanism that we put in place, we still had lead times extend out maybe up to eight weeks, 10 sure. weeks. And that was uncomfortable for us because we were used to shipping in a day or two. And even when that happened, we were being open, honest, transparent. We were trying to communicate with our customers as best we could. Yep. But we, we did not on the risk of going from two weeks lead time to eight months lead time in a matter of a few days and then have people cancel their orders. It, it just, it, it wouldn't have been good for anybody, right? It, it just would not have worked. We, uh, you know, if we would have taken in all those orders and put things in place and then everybody canceled because they weren't aware, it right. just would have been a disaster. It would have been a complete disaster. And what, how big is that? Cause you, you guys seem, you know, for as big as you're getting gotta be hard, you know, to, to keep that customer service and customer satisfaction and transparency and all those things that you're just talking about to avoid getting a, a bad reputation. How, how much emphasis do you guys place on the experience of getting PRX performance versus just a good solid product, no matter when you get it? Is the, is the product just as important, just as important as the customer experience? I would say that the customer experience is even more important than the product. I, sure. I feel like, I feel like we have both, but that's because we focus on both. Um, mm-hmm. Our, our customer service team has the hardest job of anybody within our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they hear it first, um, but we are very focused on doing the right thing for the customer and have, it's just, it's been our mentality from day one. And that's something that we will never sacrifice. We want our customers to be taken care of because we obviously know without them, we are nothing. Right. And no, but I agree with that. That's why I asked that question is so many people would just, they'll do what it takes to get the sales going. But once you have that reputational damage or somebody doesn't have a good experience, it's the old, they have a good experience. They'll tell somebody they have a bad experience. They'll tell 10 people, which is exactly a good. So I I applaud you for the (laughs) bold, bold decision to slow down sales. But ultimately I, I do agree with you that that was the right thing to do from a customer expectation. And you know, if we, we deliver them right, and if we can't deliver them right, we're going to slow delivery. <laughs> I think it's very no, wise. That's, that's right. And, and you know, I can, I can talk like it was perfect, right? But it wasn't. Sure. We had our hiccups. Of course. There was, there, there was things that, that we were doing as best we could. We had people literally working 24 hours a day, and, you know, there were mistakes made and we just try to mitigate that. And in a perfect world, we would have none. And that's what we strive for. But when you, uh, what the customer doesn't see is, you know, the growth and the challenges that come along with that. And they don't, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have to know and see that. So it's Mm -hmm. it's just, it's our job and our duty to, to take care of our customers. And that's what, that's what we strive to do. Awesome. And if you had to start again from campfire 
to now. And let's just take the pandemic shutdown stuff out of it. Let's pretend that didn't happen. What what are something that if you had to start again knowing what you know now, and that could be people or hiring more people or a facility or investing in this thing or technology or whatever, what would what are one or two things that you would do different if you had to start from scratch? You know, I, I, I've looked at that uh, question on and off for a couple of days. And um, one thing for us, I mean, if you think about what we did is we basically invented products, created a, a new market and mm-hmm. did some things that have never been done before. So I think, you know, it's a risk reward thing, right? So it's been amazing for us that looking back, we probably took the hardest path possible. We could have started off with something a little bit easier maybe, but that sure. wasn't who we were. So, mm-hmm. you know, for other people looking to start businesses, I would just, I would just really, you know, pull yourself out of the weeds and really take a high view, a high level look at what you're trying to accomplish. And, and, and you might be able to get there quicker than we did, or you might be able to do it a little more efficiently. And I think the second thing is, you know, when you're starting something, you might have this idea that you think is going to be the end all be all kind of like we did, right? Sitting around that campfire. But I think you have to have in kind of burned in your brain that, Hey, this is the idea today and this might be it. But if it's not, you got to be willing to pivot. You got to be nimble. You know, you, mm-hmm. you got to be able to, to switch your, your energy, your time, energy, and effort to something else. If it makes sense, you know, don't get hung up on one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the old saying, what, what got you here today isn't what is going to take you there tomorrow. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what do you think, you know, you, you guys have had such fast, rapid growth and I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with, uh, being involved in a business that went from, you know, 12 people to 200 people in a decade. But what, what do you think has been the most challenging thing for you as a business owner overall? You know, there's, there's a a couple of things that come to mind. I think number one, we're huge on our culture. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a, there is a buzz in our office and you know, it's, it's doing whatever is necessary. We empower our people. They're just fantastic. We encourage them to make mistakes, but I think, you know, maintaining that culture as you grow is Mm -hmm. always, so that, that's something that we're going to fight for forever. You know, we never want to lose that. So that's number one. And, you know, the second, probably one of the most challenging things with, with a rapidly growing business is managing your cash flow. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something we've done pretty well, but if you're not careful, you can really get yourself in, in some trouble and mm-hmm. you know, might not have a buck to pay the next bill. So that, that cash flow and cash flow projections are so important when it comes to growing a business. And if anybody wants to read more about, Cashflow. Read uh, "Shoe Dog" by Phil Knight, the Nike story. That's a great book. Really, I've never read that. <laughs> that, that is a great book. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, I would assume you were probably employed somewhere before you started this business, where you got probably paid on the fifteenth and the thirtieth. And now, as a business owner, it doesn't quite work that way, does it? <laughs> well, you know, not when you start. 
No. Yeah, no. Uh, no. I'm no, familiar. Familiar with that. Yeah, it's correct. And the culture thing, I 100% understand. I mean, we started as 12 people in a you know an abandoned Air Force Base garage down in Topeka, Kansas. And now we're oh, 250, 260 people. But I do agree with you that culture is everything. And it certainly gets more challenging because you have to get more corporate things in your business, but still keeping it fun. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure your people and our people, they spend so much time with each other that if you're not enjoying it, man, it just isn't worth it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Exactly right. Culture is king. What's been the most rewarding part of this whole journey? What if you just, you know, you go home at night and you're like, man, you know what I dig is this. You know, just basically building something that's very impactful from scratch. It was a, it was a, a picture in the imagination and there are, there are other people and other people's families that their livelihoods rely on us. And there's something really rewarding about that. You know, we mm-hmm. go to work every day and build this thing so that those people can, you know, provide for their families. And, you know, on the, on the personal side, just, just the freedom, right? The, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to, uh, to work from wherever you may be and, you know, design a day around maybe some other things that you need to get done, you know, just that, that freedom, you know, those two things are big. It's, you know, taking care of people and ultimately taking care of yourself. Yep. Yep. No, that is fun. It's fun too, to watch people that joined you guys. I'm sure in the beginning when you were two dudes in a dream and you know, they got in there, stuck with you, saw the dream and now they're, uh, you know, they reap the rewards of it too. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, there's, we have, we're very, very big on innovation and probably one other thing that stands out is, you know, over the last year or two, we've had some products in the pipeline that, uh, will come out and for the first time we'll probably have uh, an employee or two's names on those patents. So that's oh, cool. Super, that's super, super cool to look at as an owner. It's just, it, it's really awesome. Yeah. Eventually, uh, you know, you may start as the smartest guy in the room, but eventually you want to get smarter people. <laughs> yeah, and if you can do that right away, right off the bat, you're already winning. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it is, uh, it's definitely hard to get them to follow when you're, like I said, you're, you know, a couple couple people with a dream. Cool. So you guys got new yeah. products coming out. I know that you did also launch a uh, 0% financing for March. So that's got to help sales yeah, out we, too. Yeah. And you know, we kind of, we paired that with, uh, we had to increase some prices here recently for the very first time in our company's history, just because of what the pandemic has done to a lot of things, as we all know. So to try and offset some of that for our customers, we are offering a 0% financing for up to 12 months. So check that out at prxperformance.com. Cool. That's prxperformance.com. I highly recommend that anybody out there go look at the website. One, you'll probably end up buying it. But two, just the innovation. And when you see this thing, it takes 30 seconds to be like, I get that. And that thing is a better solution than my alternative when it comes to putting, you know, workout equipment in there. But it's been certainly uh, fun to learn about your guys' story, Eric. And I, you know, certainly wish you guys the best of success up there. I also want to applaud you guys and in really the city of Fargo. I know how 
how hard Fargo and North Dakota work to keep businesses that are good, viable, profitable, keeping people employed, businesses there. And I mean, I'm sure there's places you could take your business and do things cheaper, get something shipped faster or whatever, but your commitment up there to building it out in Fargo and building it in a, you know, a local small town area is certainly one that I'd like to applaud you guys for. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, the, the state of North Dakota and the city of Fargo have been fantastic to us and, uh, you know, building our new facility here, we're, we're dropping some roots. So we're, we're here to stay. Cool. Well, when I'm up there, I'm going to come visit the new building. I'm bringing in Happy Joe's Pizza, though. You good with that? Uh, hey, that's fine. <laughs> come on up and we'll, yeah, we'll give you a tour. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, I much appreciate the time. Again, congratulations on your success. It's always good and inspiring to hear these stories. You know, it's it, we always enjoy talking to business owners and looking for similarities no matter what business you're in. All issues are there. So, uh, uh, again, we appreciate your time today, and thanks a lot for coming on the show.